Hello and welcome to the 88th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. And tonight we're here to review Captain Marvel, the 21st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the last film before the MCU resets, I guess you could say. I don't really know how to phrase that, but Endgame definitely feels, well, like the end. So, the second to last (laughs) Marvel film ever. No, not ever. They're going to keep going. My name is Cameron Selena. I'm joined by, my, by Jake. I'm Jibba by Boy Boy Break Brown. Good, good to be here. Yeah, that's Break Brown. <laughs> He's big boy. Um, Cameron's having a stroke, apparently. <laughs> How terrible would that be if I was just on the other side over here, just like all of a sudden you guys are like, oh. man, Cameron's really developing a stutter. Cameron, we're not talking about <laughs> Elite Battle Angel tonight. What is going on? That would be. I'm texting Brittany like, is Cameron okay? <laughs> I'm over here just giving her the thumbs up like, best one yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, tonight uh, we have a new game that could be terrible or it could be fun. Oh. Um, what's going to happen is I'm going to give Jake a topic and we're going to play a game of impish or admirable. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to give Jake a topic, and these are all kind of topics that have somewhat come up in the news recently, um, whether that's a certain actor, a certain style of filmmaking, or a, a new trend, something, and then we're going to talk about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. So for like the first one, Disney live-action remakes of animated movies, impish or admirable? Hmm. I think overall it's impish with the occasional admirable, uh, like, you know, even a squirrel finds a nut sometimes kind of thing. Right. I think this is one of those categories that I would say overall, and I'm somebody who like, I like Cinderella and I like Beauty and the Beast and I like Jungle Book, but with the movies that are coming out, you know, today as of recording this, Dumbo reaction started to release and they're fairly positive. There was a new Aladdin trailer that was released, but between Dumbo and Aladdin, and I'm kind of mixed on Lion King, there's not a lot in the future that I'm excited about when it comes to these. So I would say impish. Yeah, they're just money grabs. They don't need to exist. Right. Uh, this week as well came out that Ang Lee will be releasing his new film, Gemini Man, starring Will Smith with 120 frames per second or high frame rate HFR. So impish or admirable high frame rate cinematography oh, i wish you could see my face right now i i just literally like <laughs> grimaced uh that's oh gosh that is impish in all, like have so have you seen i guess the only time that it happened was there's only been four films it's billy lynn's long halftime walk and then the three hobbit films yeah i didn't see the billy halftime whatever um and i I'm on the record multiple times on this podcast hating all of the Hobbit films. There is a reason there's a reason why films are shot at 24 frames per second. It is one of the most it is one of the closer frame rates to how our eyes see motion in terms of like human natural motion blur. And when you go beyond that, yes, you get more detail, but it also becomes weird. Like your your brain is registering that like something is not right. Um, higher frame rates are good for like video games, but that's kind of it. That's where I draw the line. Which is interesting that you say that because I feel like the scenes that looked the best in the Hobbit at HFR were the like CGI scenes. Yeah. And outside of that, when it was actual people didn't look that great. Okay. Uh, episode nine of star Wars being the last Skywalker film ever. Admirable. It's, we've had nine of them. It's been like 40 years. We tell more stories. There's a whole universe. Like, move on. All right. Army Hammer as Batman. I'm admirable on that. I, I, like, I like Army Hammer. I feel like he's gotten a, kind of a raw deal in a lot of films. And he's got the look. He's got the strong chin. I could see him as a Bruce Wayne and a Batman. He's a lot younger than I thought he was. He's yeah. like, I think he's 32. I thought that he was... Not that he looks older, but I don't know. He just carries himself yeah. a lot older than 32. Uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman. I I could see it as like a year one thing. Um, I think Robert Pattinson is also one of those people that is on, like kind of typecast just because of Twilight and 
that is somewhat deserved because Twilight is terrible. But Robert Pattinson is an incredible actor. Um, and if you watch Good Time, you could definitely see him being a Batman type of character. Young Batman. Year one Batman. Year one. I can take that. Jesse Eisenberg overall. Just as an actor, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Impish or admirable. We brought up Social Network. Let's get into it. Oh, that's funny. When he's playing Mark Zuckerberg, he's admirable. But... <laughs> Overall, I would say impish. I don't know. Impish. He's one of those. I, he's one of those actors that I feel like is only really good at one thing. Um, yes, that's kind of the vibe I get from him. Right. Even his uh, Lex Luthor was very Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. X S. Yeah, not X. Uh, a Stefan SNL movie that takes place over the course of one night where S- where Stefan goes to a bunch of clubs and parties. Impish. That only works in like a three minute sketch. <laughs> SNL SNL sketches should never be movies. That's the rule. So um yeah. Hard I think there's pass. been some successes. Like Wayne's yeah. World's pretty great. It it hasn't but aged is Wayne World super well. That's fair. Um, Taron Egerton as an actor overall. Uh, is he still doing stuff? Taron Egerton? Yeah. yeah, he's got the Rocket Man as uh, Elton John coming out. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason. Who did you I, think of? Taron Killam. Oh. <laughs> so sorry. That's Taren really Egerton. random. Um, because well, my wife and I had a conversation about him last night because some show he's on, I think, is, was on Hulu. And I was like, what? What happened to that guy? Anyways, uh, Taron Egerton. I, I'm admirable on Taron Egerton. I think he's an incredible actor that um, has a ton of potential and just needs to make better decisions on what films he signs on to. I'm actually looking forward to Rocket Man. I, I feel like he's going to do a better job than Remy Malek did. And Remy Malek won best actor. So hold on everybody. Taron Egerton coming for that Oscar. Right. And you're the only one that's of the podcast that's seen Bohemian Rhapsody, which yeah. after Brian Singer was kicked off of production, the director of rocket man took over production. So you I mean, go. you probably have the best grip on that. I'm a huge Taron Egerton fan. I think that he's got so much potential. One of the brighter stars working today I love the Kingsman movies. I think those are pretty well done. And he's got a great voice. He seems really likable. He seems like he's got a lot of charisma. There is a movie called Eddie the Eagle, which is kind of a cheesy feel good mm-hmm. movie, but he's even great in that. So I'm in I would be admirable on Taron Egerton. Yeah, I'm I'm in on Taron. <clears throat> Disney will put their entire vault on Disney Plus at some point. We don't know if that means like they'll put it on there, like eventually everything will be on there, or like these months, these films will be on there, these months, nothing will ever be on there at the same time, but like throughout a year, everything will be on there for you to see. So if Disney Plus has their entire vault on there, but it's $25, is that impish or admirable? So here's my question about the Disney Plus thing Does that include. Like everything underneath the Disney umbrella. Like, are we talking ESPN 30 for 30s? Are we like now that they own Fox? Are we talking about all of the Fox films as well? Or, or when Disney says like, does that just mean Disney animated films that are in the vault? I think it means Fox films too, because that's going to close. That came out today. That deal is going to close March 20th. So before Disney Plus comes out, they will also have the full rights to Fox films. So uh, I don't think the ESPN though, because ESPN just rolled out ESPN. Is it called ESPN Plus? I don't know. Man, I think that'd be lame of Disney Trevor, to have it all be Plus. I think Trevor subscribes to it though. Um, but I, I actually, I've been on record on this podcast saying that if Netflix goes to fifteen dollars a month, I might cancel my subscription, and we keep inching closer to that. Um, and I actually just got an email today saying that since I'm a Spotify Premium user i get hulu for free now so Mm. for 10 bucks a month i'm getting unlimited music and hulu um but hulu is about to be owned by disney too see 
it's getting too complicated. I <laughs> we're going back to cable, basically. That like that's what it feels like, but it's even more complicated and more expensive overall. I don't know. I think by the end of this year, I will probably just subscribe to two things because right now we kind of subscribe to all of them, and we definitely don't use all of them. Um, I don't know if Disney has their entire library and Fox and all of that stuff. I mean that's. That's going to be a hard thing to pass on when you really think about everything that they own and like the franchises and the properties that are beloved. And especially if you have, if you have kids, like it's a no brainer. Yeah. That's the thing for me. It's like with my son and he loves the old Disney movies that we've shown him, you know, Lion King, Little Mermaid, uh, Robin Hood, stuff like that. He's obsessed with those. And so, Mm If I have, if I can avoid buying all of those other old movies, oh yeah, for twenty five dollars a month, but I drop, maybe I drop, you know, Netflix or something. That kind of seems worth it to me. Amazon Prime is one that's easy to keep around because oh, you get yeah. so much outside of just movies with Amazon Prime. And Prime and Video, like it has way more than people think it is. Just the yes. the search and algorithms isn't as good and convenient as Netflix is, but it like. It basically has all of the same shows that Netflix does. Yeah, their UI needs to get a little bit better. And yeah. they almost need to like migrate their stuff to a separate site. I get yes. annoyed having to go through like if I watch on my computer, having to go through like actual like Amazon to get to Am- Prime Video. Yes. That part's kind of annoying. I wish that there was an easier like its own domain type thing, but okay. Last one, Captain Marvel, impish or admirable? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Both, but for... Both. It's different context for that answer. In In one context, it's impish. In one context, it's admirable. Okay. Well, that's all we have for our first round of impish or admirable. I liked that. That was that was fun. There's a little, just a little quick way to get some news items out there, talk a couple things, and you know, make office references because uh, that's what this podcast is ultimately about. That's that's why we have this podcast, so yeah. our wives wouldn't have to keep listening to our office references. <laughs> exactly. All right, but let's get into Captain Marvel. And first things first, respect to Marvel for the intro title Marvel slide with Stanley. Oh man, I was like tearing up when I realized what was happening. I was like, "Oh, oh no, he's God, Stan!" Like, uh, it was, it was, that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second. All of a sudden, I was like, "Man, I don't remember Stanley being there." And then it was like, "Oh, more Stanley. Oh, more. <laughs> Wait. Oh, okay. I now understand what they're going for." Oh, oh and I yeah. felt like by the time that like I got it, I was like. It was almost over, and then I felt like an idiot for being like, I wasted that entire thing being like, wait, no, are they? Yes. Okay, here, no kid, all done. Bye-bye. <laughs> no, that was that was a great tribute, and uh, yeah, just thank you, Stan, for this. Th- like, this is the biggest cinematic universe of all time. Um, this movie freaking killed it this weekend at the box office, and it's all because of stanley's brain which is just crazy it's it's very sad to see him go but i'm happy that he's left such a legacy with what he's done oh yeah and it's something that will constantly live on i think the one that hit me hard was i uh rewatched i didn't rewatch but when i initially watched am or uh spider-man into the spider-verse his cameo in that is his best cameo Agreed. And it's like it's incredibly eerie how what he says perfectly encapsulates his life. And it was the first film that came out with a cameo of him after he passed away. It was just kind of yeah, a little bit that, too spot on. Yeah, it was like, wait, this is like a message from the grave. What is happening right now? Right. I almost wonder if he filmed that exact same cameo for every single cameo and then he was like hey whenever i pass this is the one that first gets played hmm. maybe who knows um what was your experience or knowledge of marvel captain marvel or marvel 
whichever iteration of the character before this non-existent i mean like i knew i knew basically that captain marvel was incredibly powerful um and that there was a lot of like laser blasting happening and the colors of the uniform and that was it like i my knowledge i think of marvel comics is higher than the average just like regular person on the street uh but i it basically stops after like the main characters right and that's somewhat similar for me i think there's a couple comics that i had read and there was a video game that used to be out where you could choose like a team up squad of marvel characters and i'm pretty sure that she was in that and i used to play that game quite a bit but outside of that i really didn't know much i knew that her i knew she had a huge involvement in the kree scroll scroll war so i was kind of excited to see that but especially because the um the scrolls are such an integral part of the mcu that i was i at least came into this movie with a preconceived notion of the scrolls and what their role was in the mcu and so that we'll get into that but that's a very interesting dynamic that they play with but what are your initial thoughts on captain marvel oh okay (laughs) yeah similar yeah i think that's that sums it up there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of back and forth thoughts. Let me just get this out of the way. I'm going to accidentally say Brie Larson's name as Allison Brie at least once in this episode. So I apologize, Brie Larson. Um, y'all's names are too similar. So initial thoughts. Um, I I had weird expectations going into this movie. Uh, I feel like the movie was mismarketed in every way possible. I even texted you guys like two weeks ago, just saying like, I'm, I'm calling it now that Captain Marvel won't be like typical Marvel level film in terms of what we're expecting quality wise. Um, the marketing by Disney just felt wrong. Um, and also there was this like controversial distracting political justice diversity thing that's been happening in the past week that that has kind of like taken away from the film um as as itself and it's just been a weird couple weeks going into this movie and so this is the other weird thing about this movie is this is the first like origin story that we've gotten from marvel in three years and six movies I don't count Spider-Man or Black Panther because we already had experiences with those characters before their films came out. So to me, they don't fully count as like origin stories, even though they are origin stories. You get what I'm saying. Um, we so were already... is the first is the last one Doctor Strange. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so Captain Marvel had has this incredibly difficult task of a film of of like establishing a very important character in the MCU while also being one of the most important final jigsaw pieces before what is perhaps the greatest culmination in cinematic cinematic history ever in Avengers Endgame. And you know the the movie definitely has its ups and downs and in my opinion this is the shakiest the Marvel formula has felt in a while especially in the first half of the film. But like in the end I think that the filmmakers and Brie Larson do land the plane, haha. Uh, even though <laughs> it's a pretty bumpy landing, like they barely, barely kept it on the runway for me. Um, I have a lot of issues with this movie. I think if you are a Marvel fan, you need to see this movie, um, and you'll like it more. The th- that's my biggest issue: is this movie doesn't work outside of the Marvel cinematic universe. And that's mm-hmm. my biggest complaint about this movie. Um, I, I had fun and certain moments, but overall I think it's a miss. I walked out of this movie overall feeling disappointed and not like disappointed in the film or in the filmmakers, but I feel like there's definitely pieces of, a great film in there and something's missing. Like there's definitely a piece that's like I, part of it is that we're 21 films into this universe now. And so, so many of the films are feeling really similar. Mm-hmm. They feel like they start to kind of run together in my head. You can almost go through like 
Look at the plot lines of these. They're all similar. Look at the bad guys. They're all similar. Look at the twist in these movies. They're all like there starts to be and especially with like the look. I get that you have to have a similar look and tone, but they all are starting to blend together in my head. And I feel like this movie definitely suffers from being a Marvel film in that it's a product of what has come before it. And is kind of caught in this like here is what we have to do feeling almost, mm-hmm. which stinks because some of the past you know I think we talked about this in text Ant Man and Wasp is okay but before that they were on a run of four of their best films that they had ever put out in Infinity War Black Panther Thor Ragnarok and Spider Man Homecoming I mean that's you know two years of just killer films I think and well, I think what we're feeling here is like this feels like a phase one or phase two film, but we're so used to phase three where it was like Ant-Man was a heist film with a superhero story. Spider-Man was like a high school, high school film, but with Spider-Man, you know, it was like, we're taking these genre tropes and turning them on their heads. And like, yes, there's still the Marvel formula, but it is still unique and a fresh take on it where this feels very much like we're taking 15 steps back in terms of like, how the story is being told and and the filmmaking style. Yeah. And that's frustrating because I think Brie Larson does a good job as Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. I think there's like Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, the leader of the scrolls is great. There's definitely good parts in here, but for the most part, it's, I, I saw this film last Thursday and we're recording this on a Tuesday. So it's been, five days since I've seen it and the movie as a whole is kind of forgettable. Mm -hmm. So I struggle with this idea of like, where's the line of importance versus quality? Because I I don't want to take away from other people who do like this film or what the importance of this film is in the MCU in terms of like, um, the first female character in the MCU. And I know that that means a lot to a lot of people, but if I'm looking at it subjectively as a film, it overall just felt kind of lackluster and overall just forgettable, which is frustrating considering the path that they've been on. You want more for this character and for this crew and for these, like the filmmakers are great. I love uh, some of their past films, they did Mississippi Grind with Ben Mendelsohn and Ryan Reynolds. It's kind of a funny story, which had Zach Galifianakis in it. They're super talented. They're great storytellers. But sometimes when you take you know, your style and you put it into the MCU, it doesn't fit. There's filmmakers who like James Gunn or Ryan Coogler who took what they did and put it in there and it worked. But I don't know if this is a product of the their I don't want to put well it's hard because they're also in a hard place of like having to bridge two very important films like Ant-Man was widely able to kind of avoid the whole Infinity War thing but everybody knows going into this movie how important this is in bridging Infinity War and Endgame yeah, like I, I have a lot of complaints with the plot on this film. Like it's simultaneously there's too much happening, but also not enough happening um, in, in terms of like character development. And we can talk about Brie Larson here in a second and Captain Marvel. But I think that's the biggest problem is this film is being shoved into the machine of the MCU to fit where it needs to go, which is simultaneously a prequel origin story and the setup to Avengers Endgame. And that is basically impossible like the fact that the filmmakers made a movie as good as they did with the situation they were put in should be commended um Mm -hmm. it's very impressive that they were able to make it this good considering the amount of retconning and like mulligans that they had to tie everything in together and um right it there's so much here that like set stuff up for films that's already happened and we already know 21 films worth of Marvel Cinematic Universe knowledge to where it's like people that are really into the MCU know that the Kree are bad. And so mm-hmm. like when you see her with the Kree at the beginning, you already know like what's going to happen. 
Um, right. That's, that's, that's what sucks about this is like, there's so much in this film that needs to happen. And like you see Samuel L. Jackson doesn't have an eye patch on and you're assuming, well, they're probably going to establish this is how he gets his eye cut out or whatever. Um, so Which, there's, there's just so the many that little that happens, things. Yeah. The way that his eye thing happens is the most eye roll for lack of a better term moment of the whole movie. It's like, oh, we don't need that. Like, that doesn't need to be in there. There's nobody that was, like, begging for a Samuel L. Jackson eye moment of, like, how did he lose that? Mm-hmm. I'm just as fine if nothing happens there. And he his at the end of the movie, his eye's perfectly fine, and we're like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that's the biggest problem is, like, the audience knows too much for this movie to be doing its its like back and forth non-linear storytelling stuff. We should probably get into spoilers here in a little bit. Yeah. Um but well, let's go ahead and jump into spoilers and if you're one of the few people who hasn't seen this movie, go see it because let's face it, you're going to need to see it in order to understand <laughs> Endgame and yeah. everybody's going to go see that. So and also like there's some we kind of you know, poo pooed on it the first part of this review, but there's some positives to it. It's not all down, but Brie Larson's good. Is she? I don't know. Yeah. We'll talk about I, that. <laughs> well, I like Brie Larson just as an actress, and so oh, I'm kind of already yes. in her corner uh, through movies like Short Term 12 or Room. Uh, Room. That was the other one. Thank you. I'm I'm kind of already in Brie Larson's corner. Or um, there was that Disney Channel original movie that she did that Jake texted <laughs> us about with Beverly Mitchell all those years ago. That I didn't even realize that was her until right on track. today when Jake texted us. Two sisters yes. are drag racers, and one of the sisters is nervous. And so Brie Larson's like, hey, chill out. And the other sister's like, okay, Captain Marvel. Boom. <laughs> yeah all right well let's get into spoilers um so jake you talked about having issues with the plot what are some of the issues that you have with the plot of this movie um okay so i think to get into my issues with the plot i also have to get into my issues with the character and the structure of the film because okay. the plot itself doesn't super bother me because it's kind of like when you when you look at all of the other 21 films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and where Infinity War ended and how we have to get there, like this is almost a prescribed plot. Like <laughs> there was no yes. other choice for this plot. And so like I'm okay with that to a point. But okay, so let me jump to first Brie Larson. There have been I've seen a lot of complaints about her performance and I agreed with most of them, but after thinking about it, I think she does fine with a tough character to play because the complaints have mostly been that she's, she has no emotion. She's like all over the place. Um, like her tone doesn't fit the tone of the scene or the film. Sometimes she's sassy. Other times she's not, she's a fish out of water, but also kind of human, but also kind of Cree what's happening. And I, like when I thought about it for more than half of the film, she's playing a character. That's not really her character. Does that make sense? Like she's mm-hmm. a brainwashed version of herself that has no memories that makes her Carol Danvers. And so the problem is that early in the film though, we see those memories and we know who she's supposed to be. So it feels wrong to us as the audience because we know things way before the character does and that's never fun as an audience member like at the at the very end i felt like she was captain marvel which of course is the goal of this movie but the journey there was not as solid as it could have been i think the non-linear storytelling hurts the film i think it might have been a better direction to go the captain america route like we see her as a kid at the go-karts and her dad being like what are you doing man yeah yeah, you're a girl and then we see her at the air force academy and then we see her in pilot training and then we see like build those relationships let us see the character being the real carol danvers and then 
the plane thing happens, but like you can still have the twist of it actually being a scroll instead of Jude Law. And then she like wakes up from a dream and she's on Allah. Like I like that's boom. We just accomplished all of the same stuff, but we are we now have buy in to the character. Um Right. I You feel like her so my curiosity with that was that if we if she knows that she's from Earth and maybe she's on Hala and this is her like when she's gotten these powers and maybe the mystery of the film then is like she doesn't necessarily remember the events of how she got her powers but she remembers like she's from Earth she's all these different things I'm almost curious then if she she's too similar to Star Lord. You know, giving her this, like, she doesn't remember this, and she's a Kree, quote-unquote, she's not actually a Kree, but makes her feel different from Star-Lord, at least to me. I feel like if it was this, like, Earth character who's away from Earth and then ends up going back, that feels very Star-Lord-esque to me. I agree with that. I'm not saying that she would, like, remember all of it and be like, I'm from Earth. I think it would be, like, kind of the same thing where, like, she wakes up and she has the dreams and then, like, boom, we're with Jude Law and her training Mm. and him being like, those are false. Those have been implanted by the enemy, blah, blah, blah. Like, and now she's acting weird with her lack of emotions, but also having emotions and him being like, control your emotions. And I was like, what emotions is he talking about? Cause she has no emotions. Um, (laughs) and also like with, with that, I think my, my other complaint is they try to make her like, a fish out of water kind of thing, like how Wonder Woman did with Gal Gadot um, in, yeah. when they're in London. And what makes Gal Gadot so endearing as that was the fullness of the fish out of waterness, and how she was so right. shocked that people weren't doing the right thing, so she was going to to fix to fix it. Like we're missing, we're missing that in the character development. Like sometimes she's very human, sometimes she's very Cree, and it's just like what's a convenient joke you know like that's what we're going to lean into i will say once her and sam samuel jackson started interacting on screen i was like okay i see where we're going with this and i'm on board but it shouldn't have been this difficult to get here right it's a movie that has a lot of the right elements but doesn't put them to use as they should be used yeah yeah um, and there's also things that don't, at least for me, don't need to be in there. Like I don't need, I don't need origin stories or retconning of previously known things in the MCU. Like I don't care about like the beginnings of shield or I don't care about how, like I already said, uh, fury getting his eyes like not only having one eye or how Coulson got his start. Like none of that matters to me. And I feel like this is something that like, if this film is the first film after the original Avengers, maybe that plays differently, but it's Mm -hmm. one thing to like have it be at the start of the universe. And it's another, when it's the series is about to wrap up essentially, at least that's the way I feel. I really feel like the end game is the start of, if we're looking at this in terms of like a TV series, Endgame is the end of season one. And when we start season two, we're going to be in a completely different place with, you know, some characters not even there, some new characters there. And so it'd be really weird if on a TV show, you went back in the second to last episode instead of moving forward and started explaining things that nobody really needed explaining just to introduce a character that will be a big part of the final episode. That's. You know what know. this feels it's, it's, like? This this is Crimes of Grindelwald of the MCU. Yes. That's what this is. Yeah. Um, like certain parts I really liked. I'm intrigued as to where they're gonna go from here because it like there's some serious implications at the end of this film. And other than that, it's like, why do we have to red tape everything? Or like red red thread everything? Why do, why does everything have to be connected like just let Captain Marvel have her own badass origin story and then she can come back and save Earth. Like, none of right. this all has to be connected. Right. Do you think... Is there like, is there any frustration on your part of how the scroll 
were used in this because in the MCU, in the comics at least, not in the MCU, in the comics they're huge. Like they play a massive role. There's a whole like compendium novel of you know the Secret Wars. They're a huge. There's so much to them, and do you feel like the way that they're used in this almost shortchanges their potential in the rest of the MCU? Uh, I have very little knowledge about the scroll besides what we've seen in the MCU. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see more. I'm kind of like, okay, if this happened in the nineties, how have we not seen more scroll in the last 21 Marvel films? Or well, maybe, but, so that's the maybe thing. we have, the, you know, kind of the scroll are the shape shifting characters. And the big thought was that this movie would also set up secret wars which is there's a whole bunch of the avengers who have actually been scroll characters now i get that they wouldn't want to implement that right now because if all of a sudden you get to this point and you find out although wow that really could be an interesting point what if all of those characters that were killed off were actually scrolls like what if the black panther that was in the movie was actually a scroll and the real black panther is actually alive somewhere but that's that was supposedly, <laughs> you know, the thought would be like that would be the phase four end of Avengers would be like an Avengers Secret War film. Um, and not like I'm not upset that that probably won't be happening. But, you know, the, the big twist of this movie come to find out that the scroll are actually the good guys and the Kree are actually the bad guys, which, Jake, as you already said, we kind of already knew that the Kree were bad guys. So kind of a wash here. It's like. <laughs> oh, we knew that. Um, yeah, so it was just, like a reaffirming of like, okay, cool. Yeah, like that's what we thought. That's what I thought. Right, and so now that the scroll are good guys or good-er, and we've determined that there aren't many of them left, it would seem very backwards for them to all of a sudden come back and be like the main bad guys of phase four of the MCU. Yeah, I don't know much about the scroll. Um I don't think that they've been very well set up for them to be as important as they seem to be right now after watching Captain Marvel. It's kind of like, okay, so these things are all over the galaxy and the most powerful superhero has been spending the last 30 years trying to save them and find them a home. So like the last 21 movies is Captain Marvel going to show up and like the last 21 movies don't even count anymore kind of deal, like building the Avengers and she's just going to show up and be like, Hey, I can beat you all. Um, I don't know. Right. Do you think that she's too powerful? We haven't really seen her in combat with someone as powerful as like Captain America or Iron Man. I think she wipes the floor with Captain America. Like, I think after the Avengers, because I think it was just you and me on the Avengers Infinity War episode, I think we established that we felt that Thor was probably the strongest character in the MCU as right. far as on the Avengers side of things. That's true. Um, I don't know. She At the end of, like, Thor Ragnarok, I was like, dang, Thor's, like, unstoppable, basically. Um, I feel like she's probably as powerful as him, but, like, considering what we've seen in the MCU... Like, nobody can touch Thanos, so who knows? Here's my argument, is that her power comes directly from an Infinity Stone, as we found out. Yes. And if we've established, you know, as Trevor would say, what are the rules of the universe? If we've established that the Infinity Stones are the strongest elements, strongest things in the universe, her getting her powers from them would then lead me to believe that she's one of, if not the strongest person in the universe and that there's more to her powers than meets the eye. Like then that when, then we've already seen and that in the time between, you know, 1995 and now wherever she's been, she's been honing those powers. So I don't know. Is it a fight of, you know, her, infinity stone power versus all of them with thanos and <laughs> what does that lead up to i don't know that's kind of a yeah it's a Did weird you, situation that they've put themselves in were you when they like revealed that it was the tesseract were you like oh i was kind of like oh okay 
Infinity Stones again. Um, that was definitely a moment that it was like, well, I mean, if you got it, use it. But do you have to use it? It's like I understand it from a let's keep everything connected standpoint. But at the same time, it's kind of just another. We don't need every it's 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 the issue of the prequels once again. And we've talked about this before of having everything connected doesn't make everything better opening things up more expands the universe and like in the prequels it's all about like how everything is connected and how everybody's close the prequels of star wars i'm talking about torres what i love about last jedi is that last jedi really just opened things up and it's like no this universe is huge like anybody could be anything and i feel like them using the tesseract is one of those like oh okay is that how she gets her powers in the comics it's not there's so I don't remember like I'm trying to remember the exact thing but it's something to the effect of like a bomb goes off or something goes off and there's an original character also called Marvel as in the movie and Marvel's powers Marvel steps in front of her and Marvel's powers then get transferred through the blast into Carol Danvers something like that I think hmm. this is better <laughs> this is probably better yeah yeah also weird use of Annette Benning, just like this yeah. random also the ai situation whatever that one thing was called the what was supreme that the supreme intelligence that was just like pointless i really felt like that was like a faceless villain in all of this like we don't that added nothing the whole time that like she would be in that i'm like okay let's get back to the actual real circumstances and real thing the only time that, that was cool was when it was like she starts to fight back and her powers in the real world are then shown like that. You could have gotten that exact same thing without ever showing the Supreme intelligence. I definitely think that's one of the biggest issues with this film. When you look at the, like the last few Marvel films that we've gotten, like black Panther had Killmonger, uh, Spider-Man had Michael Keaton as the vulture, um, Ant-Man and the wasp. Like I definitely think is one of the weaker ones, but you had the, like Paul Rudd, buddy cop, Kate Beckinsale situation with, and also Michael Pena. Like those are just a totally Wait, different Kate, oh, type of film. Um, let's just Evangeline Lilly, not Kate Beckinsale. Let's, they look let's the give same. Evangeline. They're twins. Mm, they like, are very different talents. Yes, I agree with that. But you know how I am with names, Cameron. They, I know. I just I'm, want. I want to get it right for the I respect. Appreciate it. I, pre- keep I know. Me, I'm not trying to overwrite you keep and be a tool. I'm just trying to. <laughs> Give people the credit they deserve. Thank you. So, I mean, Jake, you bring it up, though. Uh, Initially, when it was Ben Mendelsohn's Talos as the villain, I was like, hey, you know, Ben Mendelsohn's a pretty good villain. He does that quite a bit, and he's pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. And then when it ended up that he was a good guy, and it was like, okay, so Jude Law's the bad guy, and Supreme Intelligence is the bad guy. And it was kind of one of those moments of like, okay, wait, hold on. So what's their motivation? Why are they doing this? It just felt like this completely flat character once again. Like, like we've said it multiple times. The MCU has a very bad villain problem. And once again, there's a very bad villain problem in this movie of the villain's boring. Yeah. Like, well, your second like most interesting character, of Ben Mendelsohn. too. Yeah. Like, because once we find out that Ben Mendelsohn swap, it kind of does that the last Jedi thing where it's like, well, both sides, you know, there's war on both sides. Um, so both sides are bad kind of situation. And I like, I see that point. Yes. Valid. But like, we now need a villain because Jude law as incredible as Jude law is. And while I think he's fine in this movie, like he's just doing his job, you know, he's, he's a Cree warrior doing what the Supreme intelligence is telling him to do. And like, he believes in what he's doing, but it's not, it's, I don't know. It's not like Killmonger kind of deal. But, but that's the thing is Killmonger had levels to him. He had depth. He had layers. He was multidimensional. Like you understood, even if you didn't agree with him, you understood where he was coming from with his goals and his drive and his pursuit. Yeah. Here it's like you have every villain in this movie is the most like one dimensional. This is the way things are type 
character. There's no actual like motivation or understanding or giving us information to try and sympathize with them. Or like, if you want to make a villain villain of like, I look at Hela from Thor Ragnarok and I'm like, that's a villain. Mm-hmm. Like that's there's no really like redemption to her. She's just on this evil war path. Yeah, but it's like there's something in- interesting about that because of the way that they handle her and like have her go about that path. Whereas yeah. here, it's just like, we're bad. We don't like these people. Well, it's just okay, like well, Jude, Jude Law is just like a soldier. And like Talos is just like a refugee. And and they're both just trying to accomplish their mission. You know, like there, there's no there's no morally right perspective on either side, in my opinion. Right. So we've kind of jumped around on it. Let's kind of go through some of the other characters. Uh, Samuel Jackson, we both liked in this movie. Yeah. Um, what about Jude Law? Impish admirable on Jude Law in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's fine. Uh, Jude Law is very rarely bad in anything. I just feel like he's wasted here. Like y- you could yeah. have literally put any actor into this role and you got jude law which like congratulations way to get jude law awesome but um, i just feel like his talent was wasted in this role what about lashana lynch the best friend of carol danvers oh she was great i wanted a lot more of her i i Mm -hmm. that's why i'm kind of frustrated is like we don't get more character development of who carol danvers is before she becomes veers like i wanted Mm -hmm. more of that and less of her on hala yeah, her her dynamic with Lashana Lynch, and I thought their like chemistry and relationship on screen, especially with Lashana Lynch's daughter, was a very good part of the movie. Yeah, I loved all of that stuff. Yeah. Um. All right, let's get to the the cat in the room, Goose. <laughs> Goose's life. I was. Maybe it was that I kept hearing about Goose and like Goose is the most powerful thing in the Marvel universe. Like Goose is what's going to uh kill Thanos. And then it's like you get there and it's like all right, so it's got some tentacles and can hold a tesseract. Like that's cool. Oh, I loved it. I I didn't know at all that was coming and like the setup of this the scroll being afraid of a cat and is then they do like the danger reading and you're like, Oh, highly dangerous. That's interesting. And then <laughs> when it actually happens and the tentacles come out and he takes out those guys and the whole, I was, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. It was, it was so out of left field and like used perfectly sparingly at the right time that I was like, yep. Okay. Way to go. Way to go director. That was really good. Did you stay for the post-credits scene? Uh, I stayed for the first one, and then I looked up what the second one was while I waited for it, and then I was like, nah, I don't need to stay for that. (laughs) Yeah, the second one was fine. But um, All right, so let's get to a couple last-second things. The de-aging of Samuel Jackson and Coulson. I am completely out any time that somebody wants to be de-aged in a movie. It never looks good. Really? It's never believable. I think I it looks it terrible. Fine. I thought it looked fine on them, especially on Samuel L. Jackson. I thought it looked, it looked pretty good. It looked okay on Samuel L. Jackson. It looked really bad on Clark Gregg. It definitely looks worse on him. Like Samuel L. Jackson for, like, looks amazing for how old he is in the first place. Um, so I feel like that was definitely a much easier ask from the uh, visual effects department. But I, I never found it distracting on samuel L. jackson okay uh 90s does this movie need to be set in the 90s does it add anything to the movie this movie is trying to be guardians of the galaxy so hard but fails really bad in that sense of like 90s nostalgia feel um i i have no problem with it being set in the 90s but don't like shove it down our throats in a way that feels so disingenuous. Um, like also if, if we're going to see like, for example, she sees the Supreme intelligence when she's captured, um, in 
the spaceship by the Kree and she is basically like arguing with the Supreme Intelligence and when she arrives there, there's a record player playing Come As You Are from Nirvana on vinyl. Um, <laughs> that song didn't even wasn't even out when this movie is set, first off. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Secondly, no one in the 90s bought vinyl. Like, it, let's let's lean in if you're gonna lean into it like lean into it guys um have a cassette tape yeah or like a a cd player have a have a cd system with a rack of cds and then brie larson picks one after like whatever her name lawson but not really lawson the supreme intelligence like little banter and then carol danvers puts on the cd of her choice and also when it was like the fight scene and the I'm just a girl. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Going on the fight scene part, Marvel, for the most part, has the most boring action sequences. Like, I was wildly bored by the action in this movie. And that's yeah. a problem that, like, happens. Like, Black Panther was good. Thor's was pretty good. But, like, when I watched Ant Man and the Wasp the other night, I was like, okay. And I kind of felt that way, like for a lot of the movies, there's some times where they do it right, but there's a lot of times where it's like their action is super boring and unimaginative for what it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I thought you were about to be like, but in this movie. Um, so I agree with you. I, there was also a few times where it was like an unnecessary amount of cuts in an action scene to where it was like 15 yeah. super fast cuts in a row. And I was like, oh, wow, you guys are really trying to cover something up with how fast you're cutting this. Um, what, once Which she, like, then makes it harder to yes. follow. Yeah. Once she, it was also very dark. All of the action scenes happened in like very dark visual scenes that made stuff kind of hard to follow. Um, once she unlocks her like full powers, like the final fight scene is awesome. But it's like we've seen that whole thing in the trailer, basically. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jake, why don't you talk a little bit about the cinematography in this and if it kind of falls, falls into the typical pitfalls of a Marvel cinematography movie? It definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just a Marvel look to things that I don't love. Um, and I understand why that exists. Like, you, there's so much cgi happening that you don't even think is happening like even them probably just like in a parking lot in the 90s is actually probably them in front of a giant green screen thing to then make the outlet mall all in post-production um and so i understand that like with that you have to shoot things a certain way but when we've had 21 of these things and they all look the same it's like Okay, we get it. My goodness, guys. Let's get something else. Please, let's mix it up. Let's do something different. Um, you also have to Yeah, I mean that's that's basically it. I nothing there's nothing like bad technically about this movie. Um, it's just all like fine and boring and safe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's true. So all right, let's get to our final thoughts and ratings for Captain Marvel. So I have a rule when I review movies, um, and that is to review them as a standalone film before reviewing it as a piece of a bigger cinematic universe. Like the movie has to stand on its own. What's weird is that's almost impossible with this movie. Um, Because it wouldn't exist in this form if it wasn't being shoved into the MCU at the last second before Endgame. So it it's a prequel, but like it's not. It it, the the plot is like prescribed. It makes which makes it really predictable and kind of boring. And so for that movie, for that reason, I'm giving this movie two reviews. One is a standalone movie and one is a part of the MCU, which kind of takes into account the situation the filmmakers were put in by the studio's bigger vision. As a standalone movie, it's not good. It's like D plus C minus for me. 
Um, but as a part of the MCU, which is how this movie is designed to be seen. So maybe take that with a, the first review with like a grain of salt. Uh, I give it a C plus B minus barely. It's like a 79.9. And if the teacher is nice, they'll round it up for you. But you don't know if the teacher's going to do it. It's that situation. <laughs> um, right. Still not great but a lot better than just seeing this movie by itself. Yeah. This is like a lower tier Marvel for me. This is kind of in the Avengers age of Ultron, Iron Man, Thor. It's not as bad as incredible Hulk or Thor, the dark world, but it's definitely kind of in that like lower tier of Marvel. And even as a connected thing, I wanted more and I wanted more for, everybody in this movie because I feel like they all do a good job and I feel like the directors it's just kind of a a really boring plot with a lot of really boring explanations for things that have already happened that we don't really care about so uh this is a c for me and it's yeah kind of frustrated I wanted a lot more for this movie I am excited about, you know, what, now that this movie's done and they've kind of gotten things established, hopefully after Avengers Endgame, when we get a Captain Marvel 2, she's able to kind of just do her own autonomous thing. And I think maybe that's when we get the, like, great Captain Marvel film. Because I think yeah. all the elements are definitely there. Yeah, okay. by the by the end of the film, I was like, okay, I'm on board for more Captain Marvel, and that's right. That that was the goal of this movie. So it accomplished exactly. its goal, but it just, it, I wanted it to be better. Right. That's all we have for our review of Captain Marvel. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Jake, what is your content of the week? So I have a weird one. Uh, I have something that I've watched that I think is important, but I don't feel like anybody else should watch <laughs> um i watched leaving neverland on hbo Oof. and my god this is heavy um it's not fun to watch i would not recommend really anybody like watch it for fun but i think it's really important um it's basically two guys come out about their sexual abuse from michael jackson and it is super detailed, um, very in-depth, and very hard to argue against. I, Especially with what's happening in our modern culture with the Time's Up movement and the Me Too movement, um, I think it's really important that people watch something like this just to kind of see the craziness of what people will do and what people will go through and put other people through. Uh, for their own self-benefit and the links they go to to keep it quiet um and also it explores how to separate the art from the artist which i think is also another important thing that we haven't really figured out how to do in the time's up movement that's happening um so yeah it's on hbo if you want to be like really bummed out for a while go watch it <laughs> uh but it's really it's really important it's really important so yeah i i'm recommending it but i didn't like watching it because it's super heavy so have fun with that everybody all right well mine's not as heavy but still <laughs> heavier i'd say uh, anton yelkin passed away almost mm. two years ago now yeah. and he was an amazing actor his birthday was monday of this week march 11th and so in honor of anton yelkin who i really feel like was at like the prime like he was about to just completely take off i want to recommend a couple of anton yelkin things first of all he's amazing as a voice actor in the dreamworks animated series troll hunters which is on netflix it may seem like a kid's thing, but if you're into like how to train your dragon, imagine that, but kind of in this other universe. And he's a great voice role in that. There's another movie that he is in called Light Crazy, which is an indie romantic comedy, very raw look at a long distance dysfunctional relationship that he's amazing in. And then he's in a movie called Green Room, which is about him playing in a punk band and 
he goes to play at this one place and it ends up being like a neo-nazi place and kind of things go very 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 wrong and he's it's a brutal film but he's incredible in it so um yeah in honor of anton yelkin also there's an anton yelkin documentary that's played at sundance that was supposedly very good hmm. that will hopefully come out later this year i think it's called love and Tosha. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's trying to be Russian because he was Russian. Who knows? Um, well, that's all we have for this week's episode, though. So we'll be back next week with a new episode. Who knows what we'll be reviewing because nothing really that interesting comes out this week. But if you've enjoyed listening to us, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us. We're also on Spotify if you're more into that, which if you have Spotify, apparently now you get Hulu free. Yep. Cool. If you want to know more about us, you can go to our website at Popcorn Optional. If you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Popcorn Optional. My name is Cameron Salina. You can find me on Twitter at 321CamiTime or on the movie social media app Letterboxd at C. Salina. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me online at jakebrown.tv. That is my website and my Instagram. And Trevor, you can find at Turbo Trevor on all social media platforms. In the words of Truman Burbank, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bye.